Welcome to episode 67 of BoardWars.eu, your regular podcast about Star Wars Imperial Assault, a miniatures game by Fantasy Flight Games. Tyrants of Lothal is finally out. This episode was recorded about a week before release, but by the time you hear it, you should be able to get it in stores. So what are you waiting for? In the news at 7 minutes in, we talk about the spoiled cards from the Thrawn pack. I am much less cranky this time, so you should have a good time listening in. At 1 hour and 4 minutes we have a little bit of rules clarifications. Spending block tokens when you attack? Why would that be a thing? Find out there. Lastly, in game discussion at 1 hour and 11 minutes, we cover the last mission of the Flight of the Freedom Caller app campaign. Are you terrified of Vader? Then this is definitely not for you. Half of the presses, Alistair and Isaac both made it to the UK national finals. Find out who won and a bit of talk about the tournament in episode 68, which might be sooner than you think. Lastly, do not forget, forget to join our Discord server at discord.me slash bweu. Like always, thanks to our patrons and now, have fun with the show. Welcome listeners and welcome to another show of our boardwars.eu podcast. We are here in hot Europe. It's reaching unbelievable amounts of heat right now and... We also, we lost one of our guys and we gained another one, but this is all very much too, too, too fast for you. So I'm Stefan, you know, we talk about Imperial Assault all the time and most of the time I keep on rambling about cards, but I'm not alone in this. Uh, my second hand, of course, is Pazi. Yeah, hello. Uh, uh, I hope you're fine with weather because I'm not. Yeah, well, actually, <coughs> it is not uh, scorching hot anymore here. Uh, it's a very nice 20 degrees it has been this week and uh, maybe it continues like this. Yeah. Did you know that uh, Vienna was the heat capital of Europe last week, somewhere last week, which it's not pleasant. <laughs> so um, I, I wasn't in Vienna, but it was still very hot. So I, um, I don't need to imagine got... even oh. because uh, yeah, it, it was... Uh, it was uh, three weeks of uh, hot weather in Finland, and uh, I have been in China and, and yeah, Bangkok still, and so it on. Keeps on. So they, they keep on forecasting a bit of uh, a bit of rain and a bit of uh, temperature drop, but it doesn't happen for some reason. Well, what we have okay. in the UK is an indication. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. It's also, welcome, Alistair. Well, nice to be back. Yeah, uh, I hope you sorted all your stuff, so you are ready to go again. It's a constant process I, i'm never i'm <laughs> yeah, you're, you're never really you're never really done but it's at least you're functionable uh you, you missed an awesome show last last uh last episode where oh, i, I can tell. kept on <laughs> did you, you listen to it yeah, yeah. oh absolutely <laughs> I, I hope it wasn't too intimidating <laughs> <laughs> okay so but we also have a new guy on the podcast um you might know him from another podcast um and this is, of course, the Imperial Assault Wunderkind, Isaac. Hi, Isaac. Hey, Stefan. So for those people who <coughs> don't know you that listen to this, this show, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us uh, how do you get to IA and where you're from and all of the... Yeah, of course. <coughs> um, so, hello. I'm Isaac. I'm 16 from the UK. Um, <coughs> oh, sorry, my third slide was sore today. Um, I've been playing Purisol for these last two years-ish. Um, been playing campaign for over two years, but just got into competitive skirmish about two years ago. And yeah, I've been going to a few events recently, uh, a lot of regionals, um, went to Worlds this year as well, and Europeans did um, pretty good, uh, pretty well over there. 
And we actually met up there, so... <laughs> yeah, we did indeed. Um, it was a pleasure meeting the team. And I think that's about it. Okay, so did you... The most players, or many players, played uh, X-Wing before they played Imperial Assault. Did you also play X-Wing, or...? No, I've never played X-Wing. Um, I, I used to play a lot of board games, though, uh, when I was okay. younger. Um, okay. Like a lot of Risk and uh, small, small stuff like that. So but you just jumped into the, the FFG ecosystem with Imperial Assault? Basically, yeah. Okay, that's nice. That's yeah. We both. It's uh, such a nice thing. <laughs> so, what what is that, Alistair? Well, I was going to say that's the same. I mean, I, I at least had a smattering of knowledge of the other systems, but I was waiting for the the one that I was going to really enjoy from a competitive standpoint. Now, trying X Wing left me a little cold. Imperial Assault was the right way to go. There's not a lot of us out there that are the sole Imperial Assault players, but we're proud. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, I'm not a sole Imperial Assault, but I actually. Just, People already know this, but I keep harping on it. I started with the Lord of the Rings LCG, but uh, I no longer play that for scheduling reasons, I'd say. But okay, so <coughs> that's that's the, the team for today. And before we go into the show proper, um, so first of all, um, Tyrants of Lothal seems to be shipping, and um, I think the 23rd of uh, August, which is actually in exactly one week, is what people are thinking that the box should be arriving in stores or should be available in stores. It might arrive sooner, but the, the people might not be allowed to sell it. So it should be out by next week. And I hope we can give you the full scoop on, on what's missing still in the episode uh, after this one. But for now, uh, we don't have it. Actually, that's not wholly true. Pazi, uh, you already have it. Is this correct? Well, I have. You posted a picture, right? I have a box uh, as a contributor copy. Oh, it's a con. So, so is it? Is it that that? So, just for for logistics, is it from the the print run that we get in stores, or is it a separate print? Uh, it's the same. It's the final. It's the it's same. The final. So you got it like you got it like like two three weeks ago or something. Uh, like no, actually, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. <laughs> okay, so that's good. To, Not a lot of time to tell them they got anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, um, but of course we can't actually discuss any of this because it's still not street date, so uh, we will keep our, our lips tight on this. Uh, so, there is nothing else to for, for cleanup or anything, so we'll jump right into the news, which since Yeppe isn't here, I will take over again, and you have to... Please do. So, uh, there isn't anything, there is actually news, but there's no, there's no news on the website. We again have a Facebook spoiler by FFG, and they, I assume they will bring out another spoiler right when we stop casting. When they, I, I, I assume, like 15 minutes after we, we finished our recording, they will bring out the last spoiler, because the, the spoiler we have already is from the Thrawn pack, and the only thing that's missing now is, of course, Hondo. But, sadly, we don't have it right now. So, we will go over Han. Uh, n- not Han. We go, we go, we go over, go over we, Han. We go over, yeah, we go over <laughs> Han, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we go over Thrawn and have a shot at all the cards. And I, I hope you will be a little be, bit less cranky from me because last time was really a bit much for some listeners. I, I apologize if, you, if I drove you away with my ranting last week because it was... Probably a bit too much, but rest assured, I'm I'm completely fine with what uh, FFG is bringing out, and I'm actually. I, I, did, I never realized getting, what a regulating force I was, but apparently I'm really necessary to keep you in line. <laughs> the one time you're not on. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm definitely on Stefan's side in this yeah. whole debacle. So yeah, 
perpetual I'm glad you weren't on a, a, a third. <laughs> we, 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 could have, we could have started a duet and just destroyed these cards. Oh, okay. of course. I would love to. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can give your stab on, on this week's uh, or, or in this pack's reveals. Yeah, okay, sure. first of all, um, we have a new... The first card that is spoiled is a neutral skirmish attachment. And since you're new on the show, Isaac, why don't you walk us through it? All right. So this is called Heavy Fire. It's a skirmish upgrade, neutral, costs one, it's regular, so you can include up to four, but because it's unique, you obviously can't. So <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to that. Alright, so the text reads, uh, Exhaust this card after a friendly vehicle or heavy weapon resolves an attack. For each die in that figure's printed attack pool, you may choose one hostile figure within two spaces of the target space. Each chosen figure suffers one damage. Then, for each chosen figure... The figure that attacked gains one harmful condition of your opponent's choice. This is so complicated. <laughs> indeed. Diddly so, diddly indeed. No, I, so, really, I really shouldn't tell tales, because when I spoke to Todd at Worlds, I asked him just a few principles of, of his design, and something he said to me was, I try to keep as, little, as few words as possible on a card. This and he, obviously he doesn't always out. succeed. <laughs> I think so, the, but uh, all, all, all of the text still fits the uh, box. It fits in the yeah. box, yeah. yeah. It's, but they will, it's, it's they will. If this one. keeps going, they will have to shrink down the font to accommodate more place for top. Okay, so uh, Alistair, Isaac, can you can you walk us through what this actually means? The text on the card, how it plays out. Uh, okay, um, <clears throat> so after uh, one of your own vehicles or heavy weapons uh, resolves an attack, then count the number of die in the printed dice pool. So that means the dice on the actual card. Uh, so no, don't count focus, don't count tools for the job or anything like that if you could. Uh, wild attack or anything like that. You only count the printed pool. So that for the ADDP would be three, for Dracarta would be three, for the Jet Troopers would be two. Mm -hmm. uh, and then for every, for every die, um, you choose one hostile figure within two spaces of the target space you are attacking. And it pays to bear in mind that it doesn't say other, so you can select the same figure you were attacking. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm assuming, at least. Um, and then you can obviously choose up to three figures if you have a die, a die pool of three. And then they each suffer one damage. And then for every chosen figure, um, your vehicle or heavy weapon gains one harmful condition of your opponent's choice. Which means if you make three, you're going to get all of them. If you get one, you're most likely going to get stunned. If you, do, if you do two, most likely stunned and bleeding. Unless you're facing a really weird opponent. I think I yeah, think so, Weekend um, has uh, use as a harmful condition, depending on mm. the figure, of course, but uh, don't yeah. count it out. So so what I, what I get from this card is that um, it's either some of a, something of a last hurrah figure because you you can you can deal one additional damage to three figures and then you are bleeded, stunned, and weakened, and basically that's. That's counting you out for the rest of the round because you're rolling one less uh, evade, and you are also uh, stunned and bleeded next round. This is very, very tricky, and unless you have something to remove it all, yeah, this which... doesn't seem. Even if you have a card that lets you remove it all for one point in your deployment pool, this doesn't seem to do anything for. See, it's really going to cause people to to have to fan out because I think the 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 ability to you know, if we're talking about the ATDP, or mainly, I think, for this one, um, you know, that's going to spread to a lot of figures really quickly. But there's a, there's a part of this that I really like, which is it's after the attack resolves, uh, you may choose within 
uh, two spaces of the target space. What that says to me is it's no longer such bad news, it's still bad news, if the on-lam happens while your ATDP is fired. Because that means if, if Han runs out of dodge, well, fine, I'm just going to do one damage and one status effect to all those three rangers that have been left in the area. Uh, I, I love that this is a little bit of a return after your um, possibly been, been escaped from. Okay, so, I mean, the, I read online about this. I, I don't know where, forums or Reddit. So there is the there's the obvious combo with um, with Drakada, where you use it. To, I don't know if I read it or, or if I thought about it myself. So for Drakada, this is maybe okay, because you can, da- because you can basically do a... A blast to uh, for three figures on in a two space radius, which isn't that bad because not at all, especially late two, game. Two, di- two direct damage for potentially a lot of figures or three figures actually, and then you have your blast that's on your card. So this might be okay for her, but if you're not running a combo where you can attack twice with the ferocity card, I think it is where, where she can attack twice. Um, doesn't seem worth it for her to get stunned and I mean the first condition that the opponent will give you is stun the second will be bleed or depending on the on the figure but most likely bleed and then weaken so even with her maybe the prime the prime target where this fits the most even with her I don't see it being worth the one point let alone maybe maybe it's not even worth zero I don't know uh, not that demolish isn't an attack so she can still demolish if he's if she's stunned. Yeah, I know. That's why. So, I, that's why I keep keep saying that she's the prime target because she can utilize this this single damage to finish off figures that were much weakened by demolish, right? So it's or you can you can do first heavy fire and then if you're within range or and you're not because you can't run afterwards after you're stunned. Uh, if you're within range, you can then demolish and finish off figures that it didn't finish off heavy fire. Sure, that's why I say she's the prime target. But even on her, the the downside to me it seems like you use this when you don't have a combo where you can attack twice. You use this when she's already down on health. You put her out there, run up, do your heavy fire, do your demolish, and then she's basically gone. But this is you throwing away, um, throwing away points. Her, her point cost best, uh, is best, um, specifically, and this is what I don't. Yeah, if yeah. it's if it's last hurrah, see uh, that, that's why I don't think points, it's, so you can. Yeah, I, I, I don't and... like this on Drakta at all. The reason being, I would only put this on a list where we had several vehicles for every weapons. So if you were running ATDP and jets, you will choose the right moment to do this. The moment that it will involve extra kills, or where there's a jet you could lose, or maybe it is the ATDP. Uh, if it's just Drakta, as you say, if she's the only one who's going to be used for. I don't like it quite so much. So maybe you're running Sabs again or something. Yeah, but... I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah was running Sabs with Sabine, so I Sabine, yeah, she's also a vehicle. Yeah, I, I probably. Um, what I'm gathered from looking at the card is <laughs> seeing the picture Imperial tank. I'm obviously, obviously, everyone's first thought is ATDP, uh, and that's also something I think. Well, my thought was the Koth tank, but yeah, fair enough, ATDP. <laughs> It's coming I back. I for playability, Alistair. Playability. It's, it's coming back. So, so yeah. my thought is they actually need to bring out the tank from Rogue One and then the card fits, right? So, yeah. Um, but that's just me. So what I've, I was thinking is, so I just looked up an Unshakable. It does not say unique, so you could potentially use Unshakable to help you with that. And Imperials are known, especially with this new wave with some cards we're going to look at in a minute. Um, but Imperials are going to get... 
they are not going to care about their harmful conditions. With Unshakable, and even some small things might come back like Rally, um, would be interesting to see again. Or even the, um, I can't remember the name, but the card no one ever plays, the one cost included two in your deck, leader only, special action, yeah, regroup, that's the one. Uh, which is choose an adjacent figure, that figure removes a harmful condition. Imagine how amazing that would be on the officers as they, as the ATDP does that, takes a barrage, the officer activates, unshakable triggers, he moves up, does that thing, the ATDP activates, removes his last harmful condition with a sudden command card. Um, I feel like, and that's obviously a lot of points and a lot of positioning and a lot of very good things happening in a row, but I feel... I can see where they were going with it. Is it the most optimal use of a card or a point? Probably not, but I feel like if someone really wants to make it work, they can. I mean, people have been taking um, Ahsoka to top 16 at Worlds, so I feel like this is a suboptimal card, but it, in the hands of the right player, it can be used to devastating losses. It's is- just that the effect is too minuscule. I, I was When I was reading the card... I was actually disappointed reading each chosen figure suffers one damage. That's, yeah, but the, the thing oh, is, though... That's free damage. <clears throat> yeah, but that's t- potentially uh, three damage around if you can get the right cards. And three extra damage around, that's more than assassinate, and even though it's... Sure, sure it is. Even it's, just it's, it's, not, it's not on one figure, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly, it's not on one figure, but that's at the same time, that's what exactly what the Imperials want. Yeah. Jet troopers don't run up and expect to one-shot someone. Jet troopers go in after the HDP or Vader has softened them up, and then they pick them off. So if you mm. can just help help your jets out by giving that little bit of extra damage... Because, I mean, let's be honest, if you're running an HDP, it's going to die. <laughs> That's basically what the HDP is made to do. Well, I'll so... be running two with this. One of them will die. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, yeah. so, what I would be... Also, what, what's a bit disappointing about the card is that you are getting the harmful conditions immediately after the effect. So before you use up your remaining movement points, say it's like like you would with a jet, right? If you, mm. on a jet, I, I agree, on a jet the card is also not bad. It's also not good, though, because... No, no, d- you run I, up, I definitely you, agree. You run up and maybe you do what you wanted, but then the jet stops in his tracks and sits out in the open and... They are not. They are not. They're not designed for this. They, no, no, they, no they for sure. I, I mean, if you bring it, um, you de- you're definitely bringing it to play with the ATDP. But it is nice as a last resort late game because late game being able to look at three characters and say, okay, you are going to take one damage each. I mean, that that's really big. Imagine Han. Sure. No one, no one can get line yeah. inside him. I okay, agree. I'll shoot three PO. It doesn't matter if you dodge or not. I'm just going to exhaust this card. I'm going to be stunned and bleeding. But if I lose a jet in exchange for killing your Han, that is a trade off I will take any day of the week. Sure. I mean, that's the one redeeming quality. You don't, you do not have to do any damage on your target. Exactly. It just happens independently of that. So it's not like blast. You do damage or something. Exactly. It's just, and also, like just uh, if you want, if you want to have fun with our jets and worry about them getting stunned. I mean, if it's a Palpatine attack, or if it's happening during Call of Vanguard, uh, they get to spend mm. those movement points beforehand. Before what? Well, again, it's uh, this is the classic after-resolution uh, thing that we've talked about with uh, with Han's return fire. Oh. So if it was an out-of-activation attack, but still use this card, would you get to use those two movement points? I believe you Pazzi? might. Pazzi, um, what's the word on this? I don't remember offhand uh, what's the... What's so the call the, I, I'm, I'm just saying, Call of Vanguard is a skirmish card for a trooper where it says at the start of the round, uh, one of your troopers with figure cost of four or more may interrupt 
to perform a move and an attack. I don't know the wording exactly, that right, but yeah. it says... I think you got guess it exactly. Is it, um, my, my guess is perform a move and an attack. It says perform a move and an attack. So is this somehow fused through the through the action of the card? Is this fused together? So you you get to do all of this before uh, the the effect from heavy fire. Uh, I assume no. these would both be attacker after resolve, so you'd choose the order. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just about to say. It says exhaust, so you get to do it as one of your own abilities, just like playing assassinate, like. <clears throat> like it, if you decline attack against Han, you play Element of Surprise yeah, before you play. Uh, Stefan, Stefan, the, it. The, yeah? it it wasn't about uh, move move and attack of the Golden okay. Vanguard, but uh, it's about uh, flyby, giving the two movement points. Yeah. Oh, that, that classic oh, yeah, out, of, it's out of activation yeah. interrupt. Okay, yeah, yeah. flyby, flyby. So you can yeah, you can first true, yeah. choose to. Uh, yeah, uh, spend spend gain and spend the two movement points and then. Then exhaust the heavy heavy fire. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. So I see this I mean, one hundred percent being good for. This is an imperial card. It's going to be great for imperial list. It's uh, it's going to be great for for um, a very good list I already, which is ATTP and jets. I wouldn't count out uh, a Drakada and Sabine combo if this ever happens for some reason. If this would would be a thing, heavy fire might fit in there because they both can take advantage of it and both have uh, area of effect damage. Which direct damage, of course, which can synergize well, but unless uh, unless this happens, I don't see it in Rebels. I, I don't know where because the Sabs you're not using this with Sabs. Why would it? Especially with work. doubt in uh, yes, in, ro- yes. in rotation, right? It's like yeah, Sabs, are, Sabs are, are now officially gone. It's like they're dead. Exactly, they were possible to play before by by very good plays, like just like Yepa, but yeah. now they have just reached the area of unplayability. Yeah. Thanks, FFG. But okay. <laughs> okay, so that's the first card. Uh, unless anyone wants to add something to Heavy Fire. I'll just say that it looks interesting for ATDP players. Um, and just like many cards in Tyrants of Lothal, is, mm. I'd say, pretty good in buffing up the Empire. I, I'd yeah. say it's it's a card that is going to take some getting used to. It's not something that any player can just pick up and be good at immediately. It's going to take practice to know exactly when and how t- to use it. But I think it's going to be, yeah, a nice boon for the empire. Yeah. Um, so, and I'll I'll just say the art is cool. <laughs> That's it. Uh, the next card would actually be we're going to take this a little bit out of order from the Facebook gallery, but um, we got spoiled, of course, the campaign and the skirmish version of Thrawn. and the next card would be the uh, command card of Thrawn, But since we don't know what he he, he does yet on the card we just need to go over that so we have from the skirmish version um alistair you want to take it over sure wait so the skirmish throne grand admiral the keyword leader uh is six points and uh his abilities start with a health nine which i'm very happy to see speed four and black defense die very standard a three die attack blue green and yellow so far so justifying very, very good for the cost. Um, he gets a base plus two accuracy he can hit from downtown. Five five range without even worrying about it, nothing else. So he's a peculiar a bit of a sniper. And he's got two surges for plus three damage. So a double surge cost for plus three and a single surge. Um, that is a fantastic pool. I um, thought he's a leader, not a sniper. What's he going is. On? Uh, he, <laughs> I, mean, he, I think it's almost like he's doing crazy. that with his mind. 
I assume he's like ricocheting his little uh, officer gun off like several uh, walls to hit targets three rooms away. You, re- you realize his his maximum damage on the dice without factoring in defense is eight damage. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. I well, mean, I mean, at least you can only run one. But yeah, uh, I hear you. So the That's first crazy. ability on his card is long laid plan. It's not an action. Uh, at the start of your activation, distribute among friendly figures different power tokens equal to the current round number. So, uh, you know, most games may be getting to round three he do- four. This, if he's still he alive... Does, he doesn't care about doubt. He doesn't care about doubt because... Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you two. So Nobody many. cares about doubt. I'm going to laugh at you about yeah. how, how ridiculously <laughs> overblown you think doubt is going to be. But anyway... Um, Okay, and let's go to. Well, is it, is coming it? from the words of an imperial play, I'm not that sure about it. Yeah, I have very few doubts. Um, and then the other ability being strategize. Uh, at the start of your activation, look at the top command card of each player's deck. You may discard one of those cards. Fantastic. This is your deck too. Yeah. That, that's very important. Absolutely. It's 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 more choice and more more information and an interesting decision. I mean, if there's a, a rule of thumb I use for it's any card, crazy. it's not about mathing out the, the dice pool. Anything that gives you more information and more choice. And it's, you, sometimes it's right to kill yours and sometimes it's right to kill theirs. That's a fantastic yeah. ability. That's so, that's so good. Um, the only thing is, or, um, I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad he also doesn't have the, the spy trait because that would just be broken. I mean, you can do, you can, you can get rid of so many command cards of your, your opponent. He basically has nothing to play against you. So, this is, I, like what he's doing, he's good. Uh, you, Alistair, you said uh, you you're happy that he has a health of nine. What's exactly the the thought process? Well, about it, some of his abilities. Uh, okay, like many figures, the longer they're alive, the, the more you can get out of their value. But uh, leaving aside the fact that you'd love to see him hit round three, which frankly is where you will have certainly had your nose bloodied by any opponent. Uh, so the chances of him hitting round three, I think, are a little bit increased there. Um, but I also think that uh, as this, with this incredible range shot, what really surprises me is that unlike Palpatine or somebody who you can either hide cowardly or run to the forward, the right way to play Palpatine, uh, but there's a bit of a trade-off there to the, to the risk versus the reward. Um, Thrawn never needs to really move forward because of that massive range. So with high health... <laughs> He's going to last, which means you're going to strategize several times. You're going to get the benefit of long-laid plans. Um, and the fact that the... Again, I, I, I sort of misread long-laid plans when I first read it, and I assumed there was going to be some kind of adjacency or nearby, so you have to sort of stay up, it's keep up. even better. But no, he can literally lock himself in a cupboard and uh, <laughs> just be throwing those tokens to Vader at the other end of the map. Imperial Jabba. It's just that... He's better than Chava because yeah. he can he can deal eight damage <laughs> from from five spaces. Actually, more because the die faces. I think you got at least six six range. Yeah, his minimum is five. Yeah, he's good. I I don't. We, uh, do you think we'll see him? And the Emperor has so many good options for their for their unique figures right now. You have Vader. You have Palp. You have the ATTP, which isn't unique, but uh, you also have Ron now. I think the the main problem for imperial players is what do I include because you can't get them all. Absolutely, and, and you can you can really over to, but <laughs> you can really over support the imperials as well. I mean, I, I think that you know Thrawn is sensational, but um, as a weird little side thing, I, I tried running Blaze a little while ago. It's a bit of a nostalgia trip for me, and uh, I found that as a similarly costed sort of hero figure, 
um, he did end up eating up too much of an Imperial List without being able to do enough damage, despite the wonderful information invincibility. So I think Thrawn mm. is going to be fantastic. I think he's going to be in more than half the list you'll see, but he will meet, make it hard to have lots of officers, which means slower figures will be harder to run with him. <laughs> I also don't think he'll synergize terribly well with Palpatine, but I think he'll synergize tremendously well with Vader. Yeah, the, first of all, Vader is good because of the tokens. Because of the, the damage and power tokens. I mean, you, you're not going to take damage tokens. You're going to take block tokens and maybe surges, which is very good on Vader. And yeah. getting getting through your command deck or depriving your opponent of his command deck is very good for Vader because he, he likes both of this. Yes, yeah, so if he doesn't see the thing he needs, it's uh, let's just keep milling the deck. But I also yeah. just, just want to make clear, my understanding of long made plans is, while it is distribute different tokens, it does not necessarily mean in round four it's four different figures. So from round two, Vader gets a block and a damage, or an evade and a damage, if you prefer. Um, so it's it's my understanding is that it's, it's uh, different tokens, but not necessarily different figures, and maximum two per figure. So I think he works, he synergizes, Thrawn synergizes extremely well with hero figures such as ATTP or Vader. Um, yeah, he'll be fantastic. So I have, a, I have a question, I think, for Parsi now. Yeah? What happens in round five? You do as much for long late plans as much as you can. So you can distribute. So you only get you four, can distribute four, four different, different tokens. power tokens. Okay. And uh, okay. and round five, Thron is the only person who's alive anymore at that point. Usually. Yeah, and Alistar is correct that distribute means uh, uh, one to uh, maximum number of tokens for each figure. Well, did you say you have to do one token per uh, figure? No, no, no. You can also do two and one. Yeah, okay. You can also do two and one. You up, up to the number of uh, things to distribute. You okay? Can be from zero okay, as well. Yeah, he's good. I yeah, I think we'll see him. Yeah, he's... I I hate I hate the term auto include, and I think everybody's throwing it around ridiculously. But I don't he's think, an extremely I don't think he's strong. An He's a good option. You could definitely build option, yeah. Thrawn, Alice, and, I, and I know we'll see a fair bit of... Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I feel like Vader lists are definitely going to include him. And yeah, it's like, I feel like good 80% of the Imperialists, because this is basically removing your regular riots and, uh, and their cross-training in exchange yeah. for Thrawn. And for me, uh, maybe um, Alistair can correct me as he's the peer player, but for me, I feel like that's a pretty good trait. I mean, you still have your officers, you still have all of your amazing cards, although you may, might lose an officer for doubt, and let's not forget this amazing new extra armor, which Vader's going to love. Well, maybe maybe too much of a good thing with extra armor and Thrawn, but I, I hear you. Mm, fair enough. Um, I, I think that uh, the, the, riot, the, the cross-trained riots are... An amazing six points for the uh, abilities they give, and that they can be used as fodder. Um, you know, Thrawn with his health uh, is is protectable, but I I probably think that anybody who really wants to play him, you can't actually have him doing nothing. So he's probably holding a terminal or doing something, and he is only one figure. Um, also, you know, unlike Jabba, who you know can't really slug around anywhere, neither of his abilities require an action, so he should probably be moving and shooting. Or moving and opening doors, or doing doing things. Mm. So um, I think that you're, you're right that that's sort of what the riots do as well. Um, but I think that uh, he will be really, really good in spy deck. So I th I think him plus riots who are cross trained will be even better. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Mm. Do you think that this just might be uh, too much of a good thing having spies and thrown? 
Um, and as that's just asking, because I suppose that wouldn't be possible in a Vader list, but I suppose if you wanted to go Riot Swarm and then, you know, toss uh, one officer, one regular Riot for Thrawn and cross-training, that's worth seven points, is that, I, th I think that could be an interesting, I mean, the problem obviously with that list is that they can't kill Vader, and anything that can't kill Vader it can't really be considered too much in in a meta, but that's still yeah. an interesting list to try out. What I always love when I see the idea of giving two tokens to somebody is, is is this the designer saying, you know, you can consider an older figure again? Which older figures, if you give them a power token and a, a damage token and a surge token, suddenly they become better, or or you up their defense. But the Obviously fact the nice. fact those tokens are almost always better on excellent figures means that it's, it's still hard to think about them. But I do think with Thrawn you could very, very theoretically bring back some figures like the Grand Inquisitor, because in round two you're getting those two tokens. Maybe it's enough to make some of them interesting again, but that's, that's, it's a, it's a, I think he opens some things up. Do you think he's also a, a target for including him in Mercenary decks? How would you include him in the Mercenary oh, deck? Oh, no, wait. Uh, the other way around. If you, <laughs> if you build, if you build like, like, if you build a, um, uh, an Imperial deck with including like weak ways that might profit from from his um, from his ability to get to the cards faster to um, what's it called uh, to to give them power tokens like surges yeah. and if with the reroll that you I get I suppose that the main thing is that as amazing as power tokens and more cards are it, that's nothing compared to a focus even with doubt uh, uh, in the loop they're going to benefit so much more from Jabba, 3PO, Gideon, than they are from a power token yeah. and getting command cards quick. Because so they still all... get command cards quick um, okay. for, in mercenaries with Jabba and okay. 3PO and Black Market and all that other shenanigans. So now, now that I think of it, so with with the mercenaries, they now have free sword. They, they already had free sources for focus, but no one was going to run it because you, don't, you only need two. But with Dal in the rotation, do you think Everyone is gonna, or most of the mercenaries is gonna run like Jabba, Gideon, Freepio, R two as a like as a all encompassing support box. I definitely feel like that's a possibility, and I would actually be happy to see that because I'm not the biggest fan of IG. Um, I, I think he's mild, mildly overrated, but let's not go into that right now. Um, but. Lists like Luke Sykes' list at uh, Europeans and Nationals and all that yeah. Um That's the kind of list that I really think seems like a lot of fun. And because I've been I've been running uh, IG Weekways for these last few days uh, since I returned from Canada, um, and it just hasn't really clicked with me. Um, so eventually, I gave up and went back to Han Rangers, and that felt really, really being like being back home. Um, but. Yeah, I, I feel like Jabba is definitely something that would have made me personally enjoy Mercenaries a lot more because IG is just not my playstyle. Um, yeah, yeah, I get what you. It's just the 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 figure that's just doing everything, and if it doesn't do everything, it, you, your list just falls apart. Exactly, exactly. And I'm always yeah. way too aggressive yeah. with him. Yeah, that's my problem. Oh, that's the, the Luke Skywalker. But yeah, I think that you <laughs> know, Stefan, to your point again, just with Thrawn, he will uplift everybody he comes along with, which is, which is a good sign. So yeah. whatever you're bringing, will they benefit from the tokens? Will they benefit from the card mill? Yes. Will they benefit from a, a leader figure who's not restrained in movement or ability and can hit decently from long range? 
Yeah, he's he'll be fantastic, and, and it'll allow people to consider different. Whether at the most competitive level, it will be the same kind of imperial figures. That's probably true. But there's as to Isaac's point, there's a lot of fun list with Thrawn as well, and I, I think he'll. That's yeah, what the designers I think that want for sure. Yeah. Okay, so since we talked about Thrawn, we'll also talk about his command card, which is the second in the gallery. So it is called Four C. It is a cost of zero, and you can only include one in your deck, of course. It can only be played by Thrawn, and it reads, Used during your activation to look at the top two command cards of your opponent's deck and discard one of those cards. If the cost, if its cost is less, it is one or less, sorry, draw one command card. So, together with his other ability, you get to look at, since it says during your activation, and the other one is also at the start, or during? At the start. So you first strategize and you see what card um, is on top of your opponent's deck. You can throw it away, away if you want, but you can also throw yours away and then play for C. And then you get still still get a ch chance of throwing away your opponent's card and maybe even drawing a card, depending on what your opponent's card was. So this is actually not only are you not only are you going to get rid of uh, your opponent's cards, you also might draw your own cards faster. So yes, there is this. Uh, and it's cost it zero. gives you a choice. Uh, if you choose to yes. discard a high-value card, then you don't get the benefit yeah. of drawing a card yourself. But if you draw away a zero yeah. or one-cost card, you get to draw a card. Well, so, the the appropriate card good. for a master tactician would be, in either circumstance, he wins. Yeah. So you yes. either get rid of a two- or three-point card, you're probably happy. If you don't happen to find a two- or three-point card, you're happy. So, well done, Thrawn. This, is, this card is just... I, it costs zero. It doesn't use an action. What? What's going on? I mean, this is. It seems really good. I mean, you're you're obviously gonna run it if you run, run front. There's no way you're not you're not gonna run it because it's so strong. <coughs> and especially with with spies. That's why that what that was what I'm saying. If he would also be a spy, you would not need to run cross training because he would do everything for you. You can run you can run the spy cards with him. You can run his own card. He can he can use his own abilities. It's just the opponent's command deck is going to get slaughtered, and that's very strong. I it, I like the card. This, exactly. is, this is the first opportunity where we may see that spy card of being able to look at what your opponent's about to draw becomes useful. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's sure. the first opportunity where sure. if you if you're trying to find Blaze of Glory, Son of Skywalker on the lamb, it, you know yeah. you want to know it's there. Yeah, exactly. And I also yep. think that it's. Putting it into to, into perspective, how it's uh, a very cheap cost, like you said, um, I think that it's it's definitely cheap. But if we compare it to Blaze's command card, um, it's actually pretty on on point. On point, because I mean, Blaze has hasn't been in the meta for what two years, approximately, and I feel like Thrawn yeah. is kind of reviving that essence <laughs> in Imperialists. And then I feel like this bringing in this command card. I feel it works perfectly because it's a a more modern edition of Blaze's command card, just like Thrawn is a more modern edition of Blaze. So feels. I also yeah. think that the the policy of uh, named cards need to be one or zero. I, I think yeah. unless they're yeah. absolutely legend, any two or three command card that's not Son of Skywalker, I find them very hard to guard. So I, I think you know one and zero is the right level for most command cards. Agreed. Yeah, named. Command. Okay, so. Very good card. Yes. No doubt about it. It's uh, of course it it strengthens the the core strength of Thrawn, which is always good to see. So very nice. So next command card, uh, Pazi. Combat resupply. Any imperial figure, 
used during your activation, distribute uh, power, damage power tokens equal to the current round number to friendly figures within three spaces. Uh, point cost one, and uh, you can have one in your deck. This is actually... I would have been very glad to see if this would be also be available to rebels. Oh <laughs> and, my god, yeah. And maybe, and maybe include two of these in your deck, because it already costs one. And having two would make it... It would, it would strengthen a certain type of trooper archetype list, right? Because... With troopers, usually what happens, their attacks are weak and you can't get through high defense figures like IG, like Vader. And with this, it's better. It, 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 it shores up the weakness of the troopers. Also, uh, with troopers, you already have the, the um, what's it called? Um, um, reinforce, which you, you, which you can include twice. And if you're running the, uh, what's it called? The, the, the riots, and if you're running parting blow, you also have two of these in your deck. So, Making your making your command deck very consistent with your draws would be something that might be something that worth for troopers to fit into, right? So this is actually that's the first thought I, ha I had when looking at this card. It's just a, a shame that it, you can only include one in your deck, right? So yeah. I, I think it seems also appropriately costed. Funnily enough, I, I think it's 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 actually. Yeah, as they well costed, but I think that I wouldn't. I'm not, I'm not inclined to run this that often because I think that it's it's so often going to be two that that's expensive for one point. Um, because again, it's uh, the, the odds of you drawing this card in you know round one or round two, uh, odds of it being a better decision to zillow it. Like I admit it, as a late draw, it's got some you know great potential. I think, but um, I'm not sure. But then again, you know maybe it's round two. You got the ATDP, so you grab two damage tokens. Yeah. And both your attacks are powered up. Like I, yeah. maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking that you know a round two, which is the round of the game. I haven't seen anything coming out that seems like it's going to change the fact that round two is the round in which everything sure. happens. Yeah. And so, is it worth it for two? Maybe it is if you got a double attacking. Figure. Otherwise, I'd probably leave it. Yeah, and it's also I'm a bit surprised that it doesn't specifically mention trooper. It seems to be. I mean. That's actually what the what the death troopers do. It's being a being a trooper and distributing uh, tokens to other figures, mostly troopers maybe. I mean, in the skirmish, it will be of course Vader because he's gonna suck up all tokens he wants. <coughs> but this is a I'd, a nice card, and I would just have liked it to be a little bit different. But it's still it's still a great card. I would I, say that I like it. Here's here's my thing, um, but I would have probably added into last week's podcast. My my <laughs> worry about the game, my concern is that the, there's so many token effects now that it's going to be really messy. Um, there's going to be so much putting down yeah. and picking up, putting down and picking up, and uh, board states are just going to become so... All, figures are just going to be festooned with things. And I think... Uh, I, I like I like these token effects, but I, I, and I, I realize focus was overpowered, but dice were a... Dice modification, dice in, dice out, changing face of dice, re-rolling dice, it, it sort of suiting the game in, in the form that it was. And abilities like this now, we're just loaded up with so many uh, tokens to put down and, and sort of manage. I don't know, I feel like it's gotten a little bit heavy. Sure, and I hope that's the, the last expansion that will rely heavily on these on these um, power tokens because we ha I think we have enough now. Not that not from the mechanic, but effects that flop power tokens down the board. Like you said, it's going to get messy to look at, messy to understand but the board state... <laughs> messy to manipulate the board state with picking up tokens, 
moving figures, everything falls falls down. Yeah, true. I still like the card though. And the art is amazing. <laughs> it is. It's one of the best pieces of FFG art I've seen, I have to say. Okay, um, next card. Uh, Isaac, can you give me a clue what's going on with this card? <laughs> Alrighty. I don't understand. Yeah. Here we go. I can't believe it's not called trolling. <laughs> yeah. So, induce rage. Use at the start of a round to choose... Oh, sorry. Um, it's uh, one cost. You can include only one in your deck. Induce rage. Use at the start of a round to choose up to two figures. Each of those figures discards each of its conditions, then gains one damage power token for each condition discarded this way. So basically what this is, is for one, it's getting rid of focus even more, um, but giving something back in exchange. But it's also, for these amazing, amazing uh, imperialists, allows you to remove your harmful conditions even easier, which is kind of what I was hinting at earlier with uh, Heavy Fire. I mean, if you have this in your hand, your ATDP isn't gonna, isn't going to care about taking yeah. all of that, because he's going to have plus Start two damage on round. the next round, and he's going to have that. Start it's of round effect. Always let us start of round. It's a weird time. So it's a very... It's a very restrictive window to be able to do something, especially if you're not being able to. So you have to have, you know, left a figure somehow, stunned at the end of a round. Yeah. And then at the start of the round, you need to do this to it, which, you know, might even make it a target. I think uh, it's okay, um, but it's it's maybe a bit of an alternative to running Unshakeable, because I think you know, this is probably pretty decent for Vader. Um, I, I would sort of be wanting to run my Parting Blow Vader list, but take out Unshakeable and risk it on this, um, because, you know, that might work. It- is it is it reliable enough for this? Absolutely I, I, not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's and, what I'm going to say. Vader in this new wave is going to become such a tank with all his block power tokens. You don't really want to be giving him damage power tokens, and if you're not giving giving him the damage power token, then why would you spend one point in your command deck for something you could spend one point in and the card? Deck for? And yeah, the card. yeah, exactly. And it's, that's a card. Um, and there are so many other great cards. I mean, if you're running Unshakable Vader, I would, and you have one point left, I would take Combat Resupply over Induced Rage. But in an ATDP with Heavy Fire, yeah, I, I like this. Yeah, it could be pretty nice. I think the reliability. Also, I think the reliability comes. Think you know, it's like my strategic shift point. Um, oftentimes, it's good to clear up your harmful conditions, but more often, it's going to be to take away opponents. Uh, um, Beneficial condition. Beneficial. I'd take a damage over a token, uh, and like we just said, it's a token heaven meta. So there's Han with two damage tokens already. Great. I'll take away your focus, Han. You can't get anything else. Yeah, that's um, true. So I think that actually, just uh, just I was thinking as you guys were speaking that um, I'm, I'm actually underrating this. But what did I say? What did I say? Not five minutes ago. There's so much choice here. I don't like start of round mm-hmm. effects, but actually, as long as there's at least two things on the board that you could either nerf or power up. Alright, I'm wrong. This is an amazing card. I'm always going to do this. <laughs> I, I've, been, yeah. I've taken you on a journey of discovery in this podcast. <laughs> I fall in love with this card. I mean, like you said, it's, it's certainly not, a, not a, a supplement or not a, not a substitution for Unshakable, but it fits very well with Heavy Fire. It might also fit very well against like a like a, a like I said, a Vader, uh, a Han list where you have a Han with a focus instead. You give him like another damage token, which is much weaker on his side. I, it's a good card for one point. So 
just makes de building decks even harder. And it's it's faction agnostic, so y everyone can use it. Yeah, finally. It's even worse. It's good for rebels. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if it wasn't any faction, it would be Imperial only. So yeah, in that yeah. for that reason, I'm happy that it's. Um, well, I think I think this could have been a fun. This would have been a fun thing to give to a certain um, figure type. Uh, maybe not you know like a spy or a hunter anymore, but like this could have been a fun way to uh, you know like this is a very spy like effect. I would have thought because um, it's not a card manipulator, but it is sort of you know sowing dissent. But um, just to just to back up one second, Isaac, I think I gotta say if you say if you'd ever take a uh, field resupply over this, I'd wonder why. Because, um, as I said, most of the time field resupply is going to give you two, maybe three. Well, this gives you two. Um, or um, this also has the ability to take away from the other. So I think this is probably a better one point than, uh, than field resupply. It'd be more useful, let alone yeah, not no, being fashion Yeah, Yeah, that, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I, I suppose my only thinking is that in... Because uh, I was speaking strictly from an um, Vader, um, unshakable Vader standpoint, and... Vader is going to want to be loaded up with block tokens constantly, and if he's stunned in the action, That's he point. still wants them. So, and and it's like, I can definitely see it being very good against mercenaries, as you can get rid of more than just once around. Because with doubt, you're going to kill a focus around, but with this, you can actually poke away at their hidden a little bit, which is that again, you're replacing one surge for one damage, which maybe might not be the best thing. Um, ah. I'm I'm not really sure. Um, I suppose the 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 thing is, combat resupply. You just gain damage power tokens. In Juice Rage, you gain power tokens if you remove conditions. In 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 a Vader list, Vader is going to be the only one with harmful conditions. Meaning you're either using it on him or your opponent. And if yep. your opponent doesn't have any focus tokens, you're not most likely you're not going to spend it on a hidden because. As good as hidden is, in an imperialist you don't care about the minus accuracy, and with your, uh, you know, I mean, a damage is most likely going to be better than a search with most dice pools. I mean, weak ways would prefer a damage token over over a search. Uh, rangers, it's debatable. Um, yeah, I, I rangers without focus. <laughs> yeah, sorry, oh sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you're right. Um, but yeah. Okay, so. Good card, everyone agrees. It's certainly, like I just said, it seems to be better than combat resupply. Yeah. Not only because it's faction agnostic, but you mm, yeah, I'll get more, probably get more than than the other card. But it, I, we'll have to see. It's it certainly gets more play than combat combat resupply. Yeah, because it's I'll, more versatile. I, I'll definitely agree with that. But specifically for Unshakable Vader, I feel like the other one is. Yeah, more it might beneficial. not be the best fit. Yeah. There. Okay, so next cards. I yeah, I think it's Alistair. So sure thing. Well, let me tell you the price of glory. This is another one for any imperial figure, and it costs two points. Uh, so it's better be good compared to the ones we've been talking about before. And you can only have one of them in your deck. Use during your activation to discard one harmful condition and gain two movement points. Then you may suffer one damage to gain up to two different power tokens. <laughs> now, again, that's a that's a that's an A B C D uh, bit of information that you just sort of get into your brain there on this card. But basically, why is this costing two? Well, because it's 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 it's, it's, it's basically effectively um, it's it's everything. It's it's, it's clear. It's, move, it's yeah, cleaning it's... movement damage, uh, which 
I think it's what what it is. It's certainly better than that leadership card mm. where you get two tokens. Uh, it's equal to focused if you think it that way. You get uh, search and uh, po- uh, damage power token for yeah. one damage. Yeah, but you can't use it in the same attack. Yeah. Um, the first thing I think when mm. I see this is Vader's going to attack four times around, basically. If he has the right cards, then Vader is going to go at a whole nother level. How do, you, how do you see that? Yeah, because you can get rid of stun and then you yeah, can exactly. move to Vader, and position another Vader, move, against attack, another figure. Parting yeah. blow, attack. Wow. Price of glory, parting blow, attack. I, wow. I mean, obviously that is going to take a lot. But, but even just end of your activation, you can have another parting blow in hand. Is it is it worth two points though? I mean, four attacks per round, another attack per round for Vader sounds awesome. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. But is it still two points? Is it, I feel this is a lot. Uh, I'd say if you can fit it in, you should, and you should try and make, and you should try and fit it in. But I wouldn't call it an auto include. It's scary as heck, um, and even for the ATDP, if we're ignoring Vader, um, if he if the ATDP uses heavy fire, mm-hmm. um, then you can just remove the stun, move two. You don't take any strain from the bleeding because you can because you're not spending actions. And then you gain block tokens, and then you're ready for the next assault phase. So you. my understanding here is that this is not usable unless you have a harmful condition to discard, or is that optional? I so I would read I would interpret this as you actually have to have a harmful condition, which is what holds it back. Uh, no, no. Other than that, I would say it, is it really even if you don't have none. There, there is no cost other than use during your activation, and uh, the abilities are of the form uh, cost to do something, and here is to discard. And if you ha- don't have any harmful conditions, you just don't don't get to right. use that part. Uh, wait, there is there wait, is no there is no prerequisite so for having a harmful condition here. No, in that case, it's okay, even yeah, better. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's to move another another card that gives you two movement points, even if it's during your activation, it's still good. And you may suffer one damage to gain up to two. Yeah, maybe it is good on Vader. I think, I think for, actually, so anything that can Wait, attack twice. So, we have... so I think Vader, but also ATDP, because the ATDP with two movement points might just get into range where its next two shots can be really good. So, and if both of those shots have one power token, uh, well, at least, sorry, one surge and then one damage token. Yeah, I can see this being a two point. So with this, with this and, um, What's the card? The, the other card called Dying Lunge from the from from one of the Rebel packs where you get to move two and then attack before you are defeated. Uh, so it's also two points, I think. So it might be because we said it's not pro- it's probably not going to be good not running unshakable if you're running parting blow. But with induced rage, with price of glory, and with uh, Dying Lunge, might be okay. You have a lot of ways to remove the stuff and... I'd, I'd probably um, say that that's another reason to include Unshakable because if for some reason um, say you use Potting Plow during your activation and you don't have Price of Glory to clear it immediately afterwards and you have Dying Lunch in your hand that means that if they kill you in the next activation you can't get off Dying Lunch. Wait. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, which, which then means that... I mean, if they kill you your next activation, oh, okay. then yeah, it's nothing you can do. I about completely it, but, but forgot that you can you can use this in your own activation with if it doesn't require you to have mm-hmm. a harmful condition, you can totally fit it in into any kind of stuff with parting blow, which is crazy, crazy. Yeah, exactly. And 
and um, oh, because having it unshakable is just going to be even better because if they do kill you immediately after activation you'll then, get the, then yeah there's nothing yeah, you can you, do about it but, 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 if, yeah. but if they yeah. maybe need two activations to kill you if they need both their ranges and Han or IG and their weak ways to kill you then at oh. least you will be able to use uh, unshakable to remove your stun so that you can perform dying lunge it's like a better it's like a better version of Heart of Freedom, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's so bad. Well, well, I'm sorry. Better is yeah, it's a little bit power creeped up, yes, but it, it, I think this is this is the this is the Empire Heart of Freedom. Uh, in the sense that it hurts itself and gains uh, some more uh, some some effects. It's uh Yeah. Yeah, okay. So um yeah. I'm still two points. It's driving me off, but I, I think I'm just maybe undervaluing this card yes. because it's so well. It's, it's, players beware. Yeah, remember, there's no balance of the force of the Imperials, so you still got that 15 points to do. It's going to, it's it's wonderful. It's gonna it's gonna make choices harder when building that 15. Um, but yeah, it's not mm -hmm. not auto, auto, yeah, not include. Sure. But I, I'd expect against a Vader that your decision making now is you can't stun Vader. You can't run. From, you have to kill him. And as Isaac said earlier, I think every list should have a plan to kill him. So yeah, but how? Okay, yeah, we will see. Okay, so this comes up to the last card, which we already know about. It's the skirmish version of Fron. I'll just gloss over it quickly if you haven't, for some reason, haven't read the him. Campaign one. So we also. Oh, sorry, the campaign, the campaign one, of course, which was already spoiled in the introduction article to Tyrants of Lothal, I think, or. In one of the subsequent ones. So it's Thrawn. He's unique. He's, he's Imperial. He has 6 points, a leader, 9 health, 4 speed, black defense die, blue, green, yellow attack, ranged of course, plus 2 accuracy automatically, double surge for plus 3 damage, a surge for PS1, and then the actual abilities are different on the com campaign card of course. First is prediction. At the start of each round, choose one hero. If this is the first hero to activate, to activate this round, it becomes stunned. And the next one is Patience. When you activate a group, you may distribute among its figures different wild power tokens equal to the number of exhausted rebel activation tokens. Limit once per round. So the first is, of course, um, limit the alpha strike of the rebels. So if you, if the, the rebels, especially in mid-campaign, I feel, when, they, when rebels start to load up uh, weapons and maybe weapon attachments onto one character that has a good potentially to upfront deal a lot of damage, then prediction might be okay to work around it by saying you're not going to get to activate first. I first get to activate one of my groups or you become stunned and you lose a lot of your alpha strike ability. And patience, I... It's okay. I mean, power tokens, yay. It's not need to... Need to you don't need to be adjacent. Okay. Makes your riots even more annoying to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Might be good. Have to have to look at it first. I and of course if you if you're up activations and you can delay um, uh, activating Fron. <coughs> you actually don't need to act delay activate Fron. You can activate it with any group, so if you can delay activating the effect, you get four tokens out of it. Which might be good. But by that time, I think the rebels have decimated your troops to a degree that you might not even have four groups or four figures to to distribute it all. But whatever. So, any anything to to add about him? I feel his he's good, but it entirely depends on how he's used in the campaign. As an as a open group, if you win his um, agenda mission, 
I'm not terribly fond of him. Six points is a lot in campaign. So I think that he could be very interesting with the Nemesis deck, pulling him in early sure. in the actual campaign. Yeah. I mean, going against a nine health black defense die, power token dealing, three <laughs> attack die, Imperial figure, is going to be pretty intimidating for most rebels who are pretty weak. So I think that he's definitely yeah, uh, an early campaign figure, which is why I think Nemesis fits him very, very well. Like, yeah. putting him in and yeah, making your opponent struggle even more at the start of the game. Because, I mean, the start of a campaign is what sets you up, essentially. And yeah. being there as an annoying little midget, um, I think is... He's, he's actually not a midget. He's pretty, he's pretty tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> but uh, you, you, get the, you get the idea. Um, yeah. And basically, it just makes me want to play the Nemesis deck all over again uh, and bring him in the very first mission and just see my opponent sweep, basically. Yeah, and... Uh, well, you can mainly do that with Riot Troopers anyway. So. And uh, we haven't yet seen the uh, full spoilers for the uh, class deck in the Tyrants of Lothal expansion yet, so there may be a way to bring him in with that deck too. Oh, okay. Yeah, we will see about that when when we review the... Uh, the the Imperial class deck for... Do you mean agenda cards or class decks? Um, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything more, but... Uh... <laughs> it's true. Okay. We don't, we we'll, don't... See, well, we'll see in the next episode. We do not know the context that he will be played in, in the Times of Love Box. That, that is true. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, that's all from the, from the, spo- uh, from the cards in, in the front pack. I'd say it's a good pack. Especially if you, I'd say it's a good pack if you play skirmish. It doesn't give you anything great for um, for campaign. We don't know. We don't know about the agenda deck now, right now. But I, I don't think there will be any revelatory stuff in there like the agenda cards that have been put out with the last few waves. Actually, they've been okay-ish, but nothing that shakes up the. The play of the campaign, so yeah, that I don't know. That we'll the three top decks are still three top top decks. That's that's what I'm saying. So that there haven't been any any new agenda decks that are really top tier that you must include, or that have abilities or, or that have effects that are so new and so out of scope that it's uh, surprising for the rebels, or that it's it's shaking up their thought process. So this hasn't happened until now, and that, I don't expect Fran to give us something like that. Maybe I'm wrong, but we'll see. Okay, anything left to add for the for the pack from any of you? Doesn't seem. Um, well, I suppose that Imperials are entering a new age, and yeah, I think that um, Rebels are even if the list building is going to change, and there's going to be a period of struggling determining what the actual new Rebel meta is, which both scares me and excites me. Um, whereas Imperials, I feel like it's pretty laid out pretty clearly what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's um, a good time of year to be an Imperial player. Let's put it that way. It's just my opinion. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's it for, for news this episode. Nothing has come out. Can you, uh, Pass, can you check the, the Fantasy Flight's uh, Facebook account? They, for some reason, released Hondo's pack. Well, at least uh, I didn't get any. Uh, Fantasy Flight. I'm going to check real quick. Uh, we'll see. Um, so that would be it for um, for spoilers this episode, and we will return with hopefully the full contents next episode. 
Yeah, there's no spot. Okay, so we will continue with the show. Um, we don't have anything community watch. If you're not listening to Science Finest and um, Twin Troopers, you're doing it wrong. And you should listen to them. Both of them have put out another episode since our last recording. So talking a bit about, uh, I think, the Inquisitor on Twin Troopers was nice. Yeah. Um, we will head on over to rules clarification. And I think that's Pazzi's, uh section here. Uh, first of all, before Pazzi starts uh, discussing about um, using power tokens during activate uh, during attacks, there has been the first answer to the Imperial Assault official rulings thread on the boards, which is uh, Pazzi also mentioned this in the, in the show notes. In the skirmish mission, abandoned research from Tarkin Initiative Labs mission B. What that, what does limit one spec activation refer to? The limitation is intended to apply using the weapons themselves. The rule regarding attacking while carrying a weapon should be played as if read. When a figure carrying a weapon declares an attack, add one attack die to the weapon's color of the attack of the weapon's color to the attack pool, limit once per activation. So you, if you have an ATDP, pick up a red token. You can only use one red die even if you shoot twice. Or better yet, um, you can also use the... So, yeah. Um, if you use... Then Palpatine to activate to make another shot with the ATDP. I think you can use the red die again. Is this correct, Pazi? Because it's not the activation of the of the ATDP, and he can during the activation of the of Palpatine. Uh, I wasn't really listening, but uh, yes, yes, okay, so uh, you can use uh, a weapon on your own activation, and then uh, on someone else's activation. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's only it's only a matter of assault being a little bit hampered by this is there do you know if there is a reason why this is brought up is there a something uh, something terribly imbalanced if this wouldn't happen i mean i only can think of the atdp right now that seems to benefit from from two uh red die but he still has to to pick it up so you're wasting an action i think there was uh, just this case that uh, if uh, you use uh if uh, you attacked uh, a hired gun who was carrying a weapon, and you defeated him, and then parting okay. shot used that weapon. And then you could pick it, oh. pick the weapon up, and then with your third action could uh, attack with that weapon. So this is, isn't possible because you can only use each okay, weapon yeah. once per activation. Okay, yeah, so, I, I understand now. So f- uh, here's one question. Um, say um, a weak um is holding a red weapon, shoots on who for some reason survives a four-die weak way attack. Um, then <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> um, Han then also is carrying a red weapon and declares return fire. Is he allowed to use his red weapon as well? As they are different tokens, but they're technically the same color. What's the rule on that? Uh, well, I didn't remember if there are... So are there, there are actually two of, the, of each color? Yeah. Yes, there are two of each color, yeah. Well, uh, if once you go, weapon, if you I think it uh, the the limitation says limit once yeah. per weapon. So per they are different. So I think weapons, it's a different yeah. weapon. Yeah, it's a different weapon, so you can use it in the return. Fight. Even if technically it's the same weapon as uh, it's the same color, uh, it's, or is it just it, pet token? It's per activation. Yeah, it's a small thing, but I'm just curious. Yeah, I think it's uh, they are different weapons, but because you <laughs> two figures cannot be carrying the same weapon. <laughs> The same weapon. <laughs> Fair enough. I think it might be it might be something to to check out with Verena, but no one's gonna play Verena anyway. So 
okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I definitely think that's probably so, the biggest reason was IG. Because IG from the left zone can, with his seven moving points, pick up a weapon and get into his treehouse. Which then means he can have... Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of it's for four die attack. I totally forgot that. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 crazy. Okay, yeah, that might be that might be why they included it. Too strong energy. Yeah. <gasps> oh my god. Okay, so <clears throat> that's the first and the second one is actually Pasi. Do you want to go over the the second point you listed in the rules clarifications? Because uh, I think I think it's a bit yeah, complicated. Yeah, it's this is uh, a carryover from our last uh, recording or even earlier. Where we okay, talked yeah. about whether you can spend an um, spend a to- block power token when you are attacking, because there are some uh, abilities uh, like cartoons that uh, allow you to add a negative dot symbol if you are spending a power token. Uh, but uh, I have had uh, I have discussed this with Todd, and uh, the intention is that uh, you are only uh, allowed to spend the appropriate uh, the power token of the token of the appropriate type, so only the attack symbols while attacking and uh, defense symbols when uh, defending. Yeah, so it might so it might not be immediately relevant right now, but uh, Coltoon has arms distribution, which has, says at the start of your activation you may choose another friendly figure within free spaces. That figure gains one damage or one block power token, and if you give the block power token to a figure and it then attacks and uses from Cartoon's cards, Deadly Precise. When another friendly figure within three spaces spends a power token while attacking, apply minus one dodge to the defense result. You cannot actually spend your block token during your own attack and use it for Deadly Precise. Yeah. I think that's what's... And there might be some more interaction in the future where this is also relevant, especially since we're, we're pouring down, down power tokens on the board with all of these new cards. So there might be some, some weird interactions with this in Okay, uh, so this is rules clarifications for this episode. Quick, but I'll take it. Um, which brings us to our game discussion. And we have actually... The first one we're going to do is we will talk a little bit about the last mission of the Fl- Flight of the Freedom Caller app campaign, which is the fin- finale, the fifth mission. And then, if there is still time... We have some, maybe some talk about the campaign and what thoughts are. Okay, so uh, first of all, um, Alistair, uh, Isaac, have you played the app campaign, the last mission, recently, or have you played it at all? Uh, I was I getting there slowly with Yepe, but yes, I have played it a few times. Okay, so you have a rough understanding or rough memory oh, of what's going vivid, on. vivid, traumatic memory. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> honestly want, I want young Isaac to cover his ears, because you will eventually play it, Isaac, right? Oh no, I've definitely played it, um, oh, but only once with my brother. But it was an awesome, awesome mission. It and I remember every yeah. last detail. It's an amazing mission. Okay, so um, with that being said, let's dive in right into. Um, does any of you know how the mission starts and uh, what's actually going on in the first activation of the first deployment? Because I, I recently reviewed it and I, I have a pretty good grasp. I think. Yeah, probably the yeah. most recent. But I certainly remember there was, a, you know, this is an infiltration I, I think, mission, like like all good yeah. b- final boss missions are. Yeah. So I'm not going to spoil the story, but for some reason, uh, your rebel team is on a an imperial uh, on an imperial star destroyer, and you're crawling out some boxes, getting your weapons back, and then um, guards show up. 
and you need to rescue some prisoners. So you start in a room and with three doors, one of them is locked. And on the north side, you have two additional doors and there's one officer spawning and this officer is actually the traitor you have to uncover in the in the second to last mission, I feel, think. Yeah. So if you have... This, this is actually something I don't know. Maybe some of you remember or know. If you, in the fourth mission, manage to defeat the traitor, does he actually appear in the fifth mission? Because I, I when I rebooted, I played it as if I haven't defeated him. And he appeared there. But if he doesn't, he's important because if you uh he carries the key to the first to the left door and you cannot open the left door without defeating him which is of course clear so if it is if it isn't there is there a regular or is there a generic uh officer there do you know i think the time i killed him it was just a generic that that was my first run we killed him yeah i think it was maybe maybe the difference is that because when you don't uh, defeat the, the traitor in the fourth mission in the fifth mission there's actually an elite officer standing there because it's, of course, the, the traitor. And if you defeat him, maybe it's just a regular officer and he's easier to kill. And he has much, much, much weaker abilities. Maybe that's what's going on. But I, honestly, I, I haven't checked and I can't remember. I don't remember either. We just played it uh, last week. Uh, I think it... I think. Did you did your uh, rebels find the tra- find out the traitor? And did he yeah, him? we found and defeated him. But uh, I think it was uh, elite Imperial officer... Uh, even if by just uh, the deployment card. But okay. I can't be yeah. 100% certain. So regardless of... Yeah, so regardless of all of that, um, what you need to... First of all, there's going to be some points... Uh, some some groups spammed in your face, plus the, plus the officer, and you need to defeat the officer to claim a key, and after which you can um, open the left door, which is the... So I'm not sure actually how it went, but... Uh, there's something you need to... I think if you have found out the trader correctly, you get um, an awesome hint by the, the rebels hidden or, or locked away in the room that you're opening for actually opening the door just uh, just across the hall. And if you haven't found out the trader, I think the, the hint they, that they gave you, that they give you, is actually weaker. And this matters because the, the door that you need to open next has a number code to open it. And if you yeah, you may need you may sure need another works. action if you guess, you if you guess yeah, sure. are incorrectly. Uh, so the, yes, so that the door the next door has actually three codes you can input, and depending on how well you do, your choice can be narrowed down to one. So if you if you do everything to the best of your abilities, if you find out the traitor, if you kill him, and if you rescue all of your if you don't accuse someone someone wrong of being a traitor. You get the full rewards, and you get the, the best hint, which eliminates two of the choices, and you know the, the the right choice immediately, and you need to only spend one action to open the next door. But if you do everything wrong, I think you can be left with a situation where you need to spend about, at most, let's say, three actions to open the next door. So it kind of matters how well you perform in the in the narrative content of the of the campaign, uh, how, how fast you can progress in the rest of the and I think it's really, it's really good design there because uh, it focuses or it forces you to focus on the on the story on your next playthrough, or if you notice it that uh, you want to focus on it because you know that that might be a, there might be a different outcome there. Okay, regardless, next door opens and then the third door where you start it also opens, 
and you are revealed with a very large area with two terminals. And I think it's a, a red and a blue terminals. Pass, correct me if, you're, if I'm wrong. I don't think the colors matter, but there are two anyway. Wait, let me see what I wrote down there. Um, well, I, I, take, I took some notes. Um, first of all, uh, for this mission, you need to stack up uh, abilities that let you do better tech tests or do tech tests that don't cost you any action or something like that. Uh, because every way you can improve your tech tests will help you out on this mission. So stack up on skills, skills that might help with you. Um, and I noted down... Yeah, you need you need one, uh, you two. need tech test for the uh, top terminal and you can just uh, destroy the other terminal. Interact with the bottom one. Yeah. So the the top terminal, I think it's the red one, and it's the one you actually need to you need to um, to disable to progress with the mission. The thing is, if you I, I, do you know positive if you disable the, the the bottom one first, or if you disable the bottom one at all, do you get more points? Or does this actually actually change anything for the rest of the mission? Do you know? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, in our in our in our last okay, so play, the, the, uh, the narrative. Um, I think we were successful in uh, hacking the terminal, and then uh, I one shot it uh, with David the other terminal. It okay, so they they managed to. To get rid of both the terminals. Uh, not at the same activation, but uh, yeah. yeah, not at the same, but but uh, but overall in, in the in, in the, the same in the round. Mission. Okay, yeah, because I'm I'm not sure what if, if this changes at all, but the, the second uh, terminal seems to be some sort of a side objective where the narration tells you that there's some sort of star map where the rebel hideouts are pl are somehow put in there and whatnot, and you need to destroy the terminal to get rid of the star map and. But it doesn't seem to be changing anything mechanical in the last mission, from what I remember. So you are totally in the clear, I think, to ignore the, the bottom terminal if you are under pressure. And you also should know that once you, I think once you um, disable either one of the terminals, the whole area is going to fill with gas, giving you one strain and one damage uh, at the end of each round. If this is correctly what I remember. So, I noted down, if you're behind in the mission, so if you already took a lot of rounds to get to the, to the terminals, you should focus on disabling the, the red one and then saving up some, some movement or saving up some actions to maybe even get back to the extraction, or not the extraction, to the, to the point where, uh, to the elevator where you're going to get to the next uh, part of the mission. Actually, yeah. Because that can save up on additional... Uh, yeah, actually, the gas uh, will constantly haunt you. It happens after every activation. S sorry, say again. Uh, when is the, uh, the effect of the gas affects you after uh, for every, every activation. activation. Not at the end of the round, every activation. Okay, and, yeah. That's and, even worse. And I, in, mean, I couldn't remember yeah, if And it's, in yeah. addition, you have a visitor an ominous figure uh, coming and uh, coming yeah, yeah. after I mean, you. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, uh, after you destroyed the red terminal or after you disable it, whatever, you need to position all of your uh, figures around the... Um, in the hangar, there's a black elevator, whatever it's called. It's a, it's a tie elevator. And you need to stay adjacent to this tie elevator because from there you get to the next part of the mission. And this actually drops you down into a narrow corridor, in a two spaces wide corridor, 
And from there, Pazzi already uh, said no, it. No, actually, there's, there there's, is uh, one. Uh, wait, what? One powerful foe on the upper level as well. At least I have seen IG88. I when I, when, I, no, when yeah. I started, it was always Iggy. Yeah. yeah. I assume it's any of the ah, big villains. I, I know what yeah, you mean. I yeah. had some there will be a villain spawning. Yeah. yeah, I had some really bad luck with my mission. It was cycling through all the different villains, and I was really excited, and it ended on Jabba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's basically I mean, the reaction I mean, of my entire... Uh, well, my, of my brother I mean, and I as well. I mean, well. it's... It's good for for your mission, but it certainly seems a little bit out of place. Yeah, exactly. I, I would, okay, I would so much prefer something like BT or something that was that would be thematic. Yeah. It's like, Java was just yeah. so easy. It was like Tricata, like, shot him once, and then it was gone, or something like that. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, where I did just, you come from? Of course. <laughs> he was dropping down the air shaft. <laughs> like a slug. <laughs> well, okay. on the other hand, Chapa needs a hangar so, to move in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. There was a hidden elevator somewhere. Um, and this happens, I, I think this happens after you open the, the door, after, the second door you open, when you gain access to the large area. So you might want to think of taking out this, this queen piece or this villain before you take care of the terminal. So. But I don't know if there, maybe after some times, the, the, after some rounds, the blue terminal activates automatically and that the gas starts flowing without you actually having to do anything before that. But I know for a fact that if you disable the red terminals, the gas will start coming from this activation on. So you might want to... Yeah, you you want to be quick. Pull you your resources. You want to be quick anyway. Yeah, you, fr- from, the moment, from the moment you disable the red terminal, you want to be rushing towards the, towards the elevator and doing nothing else. So... Okay, and then you're going to enter the last part of the mission, which is, a, like I always said, you drop down, you take some strain and, uh, and, and damage again because you're falling, and then you are dropped into a two spaces wide narrow corridor with, I think it's four doors, two to the, right, to the left and two to the right. No, wait, it's two to the right, and three to the right and one to the left, I think. think. Yeah, oh, wait. Maybe it's two to, I, I forgot. Um, thing is... There is one, I think, four spaces from where you land. There's one, I think, so let's say, ten spaces from where you land. And at the end of the hall, there's a small room with two doors leading out. And there, you have spawning Vader with a set of regular stormtroopers, which they are just meat shields. Uh, and Vader cannot be defeated, of course, and he gets to, to do uh, an activation. And he wants to kill you. And you need to get past him, which is very very dangerous so on the on the topic i'm getting past so first of all the doors are where you get out there are four doors and i think the chance of uh the right hanger being uh behind one of these doors is randomized but the chances for the first two doors which are nearer to you are lower than the chance on the two doors in the back room where vader is spawning so i i i did a couple of playthroughs and what i found out that the nearest door has the chance to spawn the hangar where you get out, but it's really low. So what you want to do is, have in the preparation of this mission, have Mac in your party <laughs> and have him open doors and run to the next door and hope you don't lose him to, to Vader. Because that might help you out a ton with interacting and, and, and running to the next door and maybe even interacting again to get as much doors open as possible. Um, if you open the, the first two doors and then open one of the back two doors, I think it's the 
it doesn't matter which door you open, it's always going to spawn on the first two back doors. If you open the first two front doors, but that's just how it worked out for me. I, I think I had this twice or even three times happened this way. But I also had it on the first try on the on the on the door that's just to the right and just bail out of there and almost had no uh, no quarrel with Vader at all. So it's certainly worth checking the first door, but it's a bit of a gamble because you're spending an action for something you know that might. Not yeah, happen, one so. of one of our players uh, told uh, he's a video gamer, so he told it's it's uh, always going to be the third door you open. So it pays off to open the two doors anyway. No, I don't think so. Anyway. Yeah, no. It's, it's, it's definitely not always the third door, but I think for the third door, there's a very high chance you're going to find but, the... Yeah, but if I you... if you don't find it yeah, in the but first if you two, skip, the third yeah, might but, always be spawning. Uh, what I'm saying is that if you skip opening, if you don't open the first door, then uh, then yeah, it, it, uh, it uh, lowers your possibilities on, yeah. of uh, getting the yeah. Uh, yeah. hunger... So, more of the story is, the better you can move, and the better you can spend actions to open doors, the better you're going to come out of this uh, section of the mission. It's really tense, because uh, I think after each round, Vader gains an additional active activation uh, per round. So in the first round, he's going to act activate once. In the second round, when you're go going through the part of the mission, he's going to activate twice, and then three times and so on so there is very little chance of you surviving very long against this because he's going to get movement points you're going to get forced jokes and he has a an, an attack with plus two damage and pierce three on the on the on the surges so very very tough so <clears throat> being fast is what matters here so you don't want to attack vader at all and you might even if possible ignore the stormtroopers because they just soak up actions you actually want to have to move and and open up doors, but of course, if you're already going on your last legs, the stormtroopers might push you over. So it might also be a bad idea to ignore them because they are so easy to remove. It's just regular troopers. And yeah, depending yeah, on who you bring. For example, but, we had June yeah. with uh, uh, hand. Oh uh, no, no, not hand cannon. But he, he she has a he she had very good weapon and. Uh, uh, Sidewinder and opportunist yeah. gives three spaces of movement, so it was always it was very good That's for you yeah. to uh, take a shot because she could uh, move then three spaces and then quick draw, move three uh, three more spaces and then uh, be the first uh, to the shuttle to get it warmed warmed up. Yeah, yeah. So after after you open the door uh, where the hangar spawns. You then still need to move all of your remaining uh, rebels to adja adjacent to the shuttle that's, that's inside this hangar, and then you have one. And if you manage to have one of your rebels unwounded until this stage, you won the campaign. If you're not, you lose the campaign, of course. So and you can leave. Yeah, the last but, part uh, you can you can always you can uh, choose to leave some heroes behind. Yes, yes, I think that's actually very good. Uh, as soon as one of your heroes makes the, 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 the trip to the shuttle and can leave, you can choose to leave all other, all other rebel figures behind and just take off. Which, if you're playing with four human players, that's going to be an amazing discussion, I, I think feel. when I was playing just myself with four heroes, my Gideon made a very uh, selfish choice. <laughs> First one there and was like... Yeah. Do you want to win the yeah? Do you want to win the campaign or do you want to die? <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. been carrying it's us the whole time. So. Yeah, I 
I really like how this works out, and uh, especially the last part against Vader is very tense, very thematic. It reminded me a lot of the last mission in the uh, Bespin Gambit campaign, or one of the two last missions there, where you have to drop off the plans and basically uh, run away from Vader. Yeah. I'd... Both of them yeah. are very thematic, and both of them are very similar to how it shakes out at the end of Rogue One. I really like that. It's amazing. It's just very hard on hard. Yeah. It, and I feel it's on hard. It's impossible to get through this, <laughs> unless you only play with the with the core box, or if you played when the the app first released and and checked off all of your collection and took one of the strongest heroes lineup and played against just the core box figures, then it wasn't. May it might have been not that difficult, but with all of the figures right now, it's very very tough. So. Uh, if you're in for a challenge. And you, you mentioned Rogue One. Uh, imagine that you have had such just seen Rogue One and then you played this like I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's really, really well. That's that's the power of the app, right? Because it's uh, you don't you don't have an Imperial player controlling Vader. You have the app controlling Vader, and this gives him a more of a more of a nemesis status because you're you're not playing against another player. You're playing against Vader. So. There's another dy- dynamic going on, at least for me. So you're not angry against, or you're not angry towards the player playing him. You're angry against the figure, or or against the app, or whatnot. So that's, it's to- totally different for me, and I really like it. So very dope what they did, and I certainly, certainly ending the the first campaign on a high note. So with that, any 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 additional stra- strategic advice from you guys? I think I think being willing to recognize the way that the targeting mechanic works and therefore make sure vader hits the person you want him to hit um it, it's it's yeah it's, sure that that sort of becomes i think my first time going through the campaign was as you said probably a little bit easier because it was uh uh just core stuff but i think that this thing that i slowly dawned on me was that you can't entirely predict what's going to come from the um ai but you can actually position yourself to try to take advantage of it yeah Especially in the in the narrow corridor, you can do line of sight blocking or movement points shenanigans where you position one of your figures just outside of reach of Vader. So he needs to attack someone else or he needs to use force choke. So this is something you need to perfect until this stage so you can get the most out of, uh, out of your activations. The very tight window you have down there. Okay, so thematically... Um, any of you got anything to say? Did you, did you like the campaign? Was it too vanilla? Was it too? Was the the, the, the narrative arc with the trader? Did you did you like what what's going on? I'd probably say it was too much job in it, uh, <laughs> but apart from that, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Java is very good in the second campaign, but yeah, I can, I, I, I can see it I, being yeah, a little bit slouched his way out of the the jungle literally chasing us off Yavin in our first game of Yeppe Online, which was also... I mean, for the comedy value, I love it when Jabba shows up. But no, I, I think it was great. I, I think that the 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 opportunity that was... The, the, the opportunity for different kind of missions and different ways to sort of treat missions that were shown by the campaign was really, really good. Um, yeah, really tight story. Um, a couple of different mechanics in each, in each mission. Um, I haven't played Jabba yet, so I really want to see where they come from that. I, I think it was great. It certainly left me wanting more, um, but I'd, I'd I'd actually maybe like one about twice the length if that could, if that were possible if they may, if they make a sort of a long well the chap- it's not a, it's not yeah, a criticism but I... it was really it seemed really brisk. Well, when you are going to play Chapa's Realm, 
even if, if it is just uh, the same five missions, you, it will feel much longer because there is much more things going on. And uh, what you, well, f first of all, uh, there are eight missions, so you have some choice in uh, which missions to choose, but there is also choice uh, uh, that you need to make before some missions that affect how the mission goes and also during a mission. And uh, oh, it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's certainly, yeah, there's amazing, there's amazing replayability in the new campaign. Like, I think you can play it five times and not see every outcome from, from every mission, which is mind-boggling to me, really. It's so much work. I, I've, I've been, I have not played once. I just tapped through reviewing the, the Java's campaign twice now. And I, I have not, I'm, I'm not even, I have not even started taking notes because it's so, it's so much really to, to choose and to, to ponder. So that I think that the length of the Java campaign is much better with five missions because you have a lot to choose from and you need to think about what you want out of your campaign. And this time, if you have a longer campaign, it's just going to compound on, on itself and you are, you're left with a campaign that takes ages because you're, you're having a lot of missions to do and you have a lot of decisions to take. And especially if you're playing with human players with more than two or more than three even, it's going to take a long time to come to a conclusion which mission to take next, which op options of the narrative to take next. And I think Jabba is better with five missions than the, 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 the vanilla campaign, uh, but it's still only five missions. But it's got amazing replay value, so you can replay it, like I said probably five times without seeing every other. Well, it's good to say that, good to hear that you say five times because I have played it four times now and uh, I hope to play it uh, one time with uh, my group. <laughs> uh, and uh, back to your yeah, question I... about uh, theme and story. I didn't, I didn't uh, yeah. sort of uh, uh, appreciate or track the story so much uh, in, the, in the Flight of the Freedom Fighter campaign, but uh, with Chappas Realm, especially when you play solo, uh, there is amazing amount of story in there, and uh, I think uh, I was much more interested in reading, reading the story in, in Chappas Realm ca campaign. Yeah, what I, what I found with the, with the um, Flight of the Freedom Caller is this, this, this subplot with the traitor. Most people didn't, uh, m most written reviews I read about what's going on in the missions and so they didn't really focus on what's going on there with the trader and that you can actually uncover it by strategically opening boxes and then if you do that or, or correctly you can deduce who the trader is and this mechanic and this this part of the narrative because it also ties into when you accuse the wrong person stuff changes uh if this certainly took a backseat to the to the actual story where Someone is developing weapons, which is the same. It's actually the same kind of story, like in the Imperial Assault Core box. Uh, General Weiss is developing weapons, and you need to stop him. But this trader mechanic, uh, I think it was a little bit too well hidden that this actually has a mechanical impact. Uh, in Java, this is completely different. I feel because in Java, the choices you need to make and the the, the, the thing you need to figure out is always right into your face, and it's it's the main main drive of the story while in uh in the vanilla campaign it's kind of a subtext which i found a bit sad because it's the more interesting part of the vanilla campaign i i i feel so because the the narrative about weiss 
I've seen it four times now. I've seen it three times before I even started with my first app campaign. I have enough of voice, I feel, for for quite a lifetime. <laughs> so I'm happy to not see him again. <clears throat> okay, Isaac, anything from you for story and theme? Um, no, not really. I, I really enjoyed running it through. I tried to solo it for a while. Um, also, the um, I can't remember what number mission it is, but the one where you uh, confront the big uh, Weiss, when you confront Weiss. Um, yeah. Koten with the DXR6 uh, is pretty broken. When she... <laughs> Attacks wise with red, red plus two damage, reroll, and removes the defense die. Uh, I've basically um, <laughs> put it as a house rule that Coton does not get played during the, the app campaign because she just. If when people just one shot Vader or Walkers or something like that, that kind of takes the fun fact out of it for me. Uh, but that's just a personal thing. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's um, brought my brother a little closer to Imperial Assault as well, which is always good. Um, and yeah, I thought it was amazing and a nice little... It's a nice little break from intensive skirmishing, so yeah. What are, what are your thoughts about that the new the new campaign is actually free in the app, but requires Jabba's Realm? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I'd say that's definitely... What are your I, thoughts I about that's it? That's definitely a good thing. It allows for more story variation, um, because we can see different figures on the map that aren't just completely random. Um, it's like... It's basically the argument of would you play um, several different um, campaigns using just the corset um, tiles and figures, even though you can, with open groups, you can pull in other figures. You get yeah. a wider variety of story, and and it's like, if you're playing campaign and you only have the corset, then no, obviously you can't play this, but I don't think that that's a problem. Um, if you, it's like it just makes sense that that's what IA does. If you want to play more campaigns, you buy more expansions. So, uh, and and I kind of um, like that it's Jabba's as well because it's probably one of my favorite campaigns. Even though I had a <laughs> my campaign group, um, my vassal one, they tore me to sh- to shreds uh, on that one <laughs> with um, a pretty yeah. brutal hero choice. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I've only played the first mission, and it's similar enough that it's, that you have the nostalgia of playing it, but it's yet different enough to be interesting. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to what the future brings us. Okay, so uh, last question about the new the new campaign, or about the campaigns on in the app uh, overall. Say uh, FFG would be releasing campaigns in the app you have to buy. What price point do you think would be okay for you to invest in a campaign that, let's say, is 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 better than the campaigns we already have? Like, it's longer, it has maybe some cutscenes or whatever. I'm making stuff up, right? So, um, it's for some reason, it's better than the two campaigns we have right now, And but it costs money. And it may, might also feature a an expansion. How much would you play? Uh, how much would you pay for it? Def, for me, it def- definitely depends on the actual content. If, like you said, it includes cutscenes and stuff like that, and each cutscene is different depending on the different heroes you take, then I could see myself going up to about ten pounds. But any more than that is not really worth it because buying a digital campaign is nothing even close to buying an actual expansion. Um, it's just in my opinion, and I feel like pricing it anything over, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion, pricing it over £10 or $15 or whatever that would be, um, I feel like that's a little bit much. 
Yeah. Especially since you're not actually getting any new content. You're getting a new story. You're not getting any new figures because it's an offline... It's an yeah. offline game. Well, I mean, it's, it's an off-device game, which then you just... Your opponents are controlled by the app, but you don't actually get yeah. anything through the app. So it would just kind of take the enjoyment away if it was... I mean, if it was too expensive, I wouldn't I wouldn't even bother because I play these for fun and because it's, you know, free okay. on the App Store <laughs> or Google Play or whatever. At- Alistair, how much would you pay for a pay-to-play campaign? Well, I don't want to say because they could be listening and then they'll recognize, you know, <laughs> that I will basically pay whatever they put in front of me. Uh, no, I think, I, I mean... Oh, wow! Because, well, because I think that, that um, I mean, I, I, it, it's possible to be too fanboy, but the, but the the value that is in this game that that came in the box in terms of the campaign you can play, in terms of the skirmish you can play, in terms of the uh, replayability. And then two free campaigns have been added to the app. I think that um, they, they've they've actually made this, if it's your kind of game and you're into it, I, I, don't, I don't think any other system holds a candle to the amount of uh, play variability and, and um, the, the writing and the content design that's gone in. So I think, yeah, between five and ten pounds is probably what I expect to see, because I expect that's where they'll probably find the right level between... There are some people who spend nothing on it entirely, and there's people who are going to be more on the fence who would probably not see it being north of ten pounds. Um, I, I guess I would prefer a smaller and more regular than a really, really big one every once a year. Uh, that would be my only difference. I'd say, like, you know, give me... a. Uh, shorter bits, uh, you know, for three pounds, three times a year, rather than one ten pound campaign for a year. But that'd be me. Okay, so I'm I'm actually also I, I would pay up to ten euros basically without a, any any question. And north from there, I I'd say it depends on. I'd still buy it, but I probably would not recommend it depending on what's in there. Um, but I. What they have with the app is um, they have the ability to patch it on their own terms because I I'm not actually sure if it wor- if this works out in the um, uh, Apple Store f- and maybe even Google Play but on on Steam you not have to submit patches bef- to review before you release them at least that's what I know and so what they could do actually is make a campaign and release one mission every two weeks or maybe even every month and have a have a like say if they do it over half a year they can build a narrative of that which isn't as front-loaded like it is now because with Java with the new Java campaign everything is here there is no there's no real mystery going on I mean first of all it's it's very it's very very much alike to the to the box Java campaign so in that regard it's it's actually a little a little bit disappointing that the themes are so similar similar but for a new for a new campaign maybe even a campaign you have to pay for uh having them release one per month would actually be very very nice and have maybe maybe even do let's say do a six um uh, a six mission a six mission campaign which stretches over half a year and you can then factor in not only not only player feedback, but also player player metrics into the future in, into the future missions where you uh, see that some people struggle with some particular enemy types, and you can 
put some weight on how many of them appear in in what circumstances and whatnot. So that would be very much what I would like to see to have a regular. It also makes you come back to the app each month or each three weeks or each two weeks, whatever it's gonna be, uh, and and check on check if the new mission is already on. Uh, get you guys together every two weeks or every four weeks and play a new mission. It kind of creates a habit of using the app, of, of playing the game, which creates a stronger bond with the with the brand, with the game, with the app, and which this is, of course, what you want to have with your players. So regular content, even if it's on a mission basis, would be much more preferable to, because it also gives us new stuff to talk about each month. So <laughs> It would just uh, be... Yeah, give us a podcast. It would okay. just be... Uh, Pretty sort of uh, big big work on the FFG side because you would need to constantly de- develop the thing, uh, have playtesters test the thing. Uh, so it's I think it's much easier to yeah, just I... uh, uh, make make a uh, long longer campaign and do it once than to spend a week or sure or two true. weeks yeah. each month to develop. Uh, it, it's it's hard to get I'm, everyone's schedules lined up to make uh, yeah, such a regular uh, updates to the app. Um, I I know what you mean, but it did work with the with the LCG model already. So I'm not entirely sure if that should be. I mean, you still even if you're if even if you release monthly, you still could um, create a backlog of missions that you haven't released yet. So let's say you have a six mission campaign, you're going to release monthly, you produce four missions with the intent of finishing the next two missions um, by the time they would be released. And then you're going to start releasing them, the missions. So you're always very much ahead of what the, what the players play. So you have enough time for testing and whatnot. But just, uh, yeah. you're still building that regular stuff, but, right? Uh, so. just, just one uh, question. Uh, how, are, how is uh, yep. the... Um, Lucasfilm approvals, Disney Lucasfilm approvals, going to go with that model? See, I have no idea. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty I, sure they want to see that, that, the that, final that. product before before approving. Oh, okay. Then they should create a campaign and still release it monthly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would like even even if they produce the the, the full campaign. Um, I would prefer it to have been delivered to me, and maybe even with with updates on the with notifications in the app that hey, listen, I know we you played the you use the app, new missions available. Do you want to check it out? What not? That's I know that that this in marketing this just works. That if you can get players to build a regular schedule with your content, that they stick around for longer, they are more attached to the product, they spend more on the product. They consume more of the product, so this is all stuff you want as a company. And uh, it just bumps me out that they don't seem to be taking advantage of this. Yeah, but right it, uh, it seems that FFG's uh, product is uh, the actual physical uh, expansions. They, yeah. They they yeah, they yeah, are I, not they are we, not in I the we... business of selling apps. That app is just uh, um, I know yet. a way uh, to get a third. A third type of people, solo players, uh, to yeah. to stick with the yeah, product. I know, I know, I yeah, I know. That's that's all valid. That's all all valid arguments. And I agree. That's that's certainly that is. I still want to have the <laughs> monthly. <laughs> they need to do it now. 
Yeah. Um, Alistair, what, what did you want to say? He said, not yet. It, oh, I, in the RPGs. Yeah, I just yeah. I I think I think every I think every game company is is going to explore ways to you know either transition games to add tablets or or how tablets can interact. I mean, I, I'm sort of surprised we don't yet have a, a a competitive game where you know that actually is integrating mobile devices or screens because you know I think that is to come. Um, as I said, I'm very grateful for it, and I think if 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 monthly is too much, I certainly think that I'm surprised they haven't. To your point about like learning and, and building relationship with the game, I, I would like them to take a chance on us Imperial Soul players uh, to see about what they can, what kind of money they can make, or what kind of response they can get from. Them. So that's why I think if they, if you know, the next thing that comes out, I'd like them to charge some money. Uh, I, I saw people complaining about this free app, so it's not like they're going to avoid people complaining about it. <laughs> so I think they should yeah. just ju- let's just see about what we can, you know, what how we can invest in sort of. Uh, you know, for an improvement to the game, um, and for those people who are big fans of Hoth and stuff like that, I do hope they go back. Uh, you know, set you know, give, give me an excuse to pull out those tiles again would be lovely. Uh, but if they do give forward, that's fine as well. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's all about the the first campaign in the app and the app itself. Um, I think we'll take a break on reviewing the missions themselves and and maybe come back to this in a few episodes when we talk about the Java campaign mission so everyone listening has a chance to actually experience them and play them for for themselves without any mechanics or narrative spoilers so you can rest assured that we won't start reviewing the first mission of Java before you probably have played it yourself so uh, just like we did with the app okay so we are running over two hours now so we still i still wanted to talk about play experiences but i think we're going to shelve it for next time um since next time we will be probably going to be talk about the, the box and yeah we will see um yeah that's that's it for for this episode um for the hosts Pazi, anything left to add before we head on to the next break um just uh play the chapter realm it's it's very good Sure, yeah. Totally recommendation. If you own the game, if you own the Java's RAM expansion and you're not playing the app campaign, you're doing something wrong. Okay, uh, Alistair? Uh, just that, you know, can't wait to report uh, as we get a little closer to UK Nationals. Uh, only a few weeks away now. Uh, Isaac and I will be your men on the ground for that one. Um, and yeah, you know, for all of our talk about all these card spoilers, I can never and you know tell you what the game's going to look like until I actually get them in my hands. So I can't wait sure. until next Thursday yeah. and I can start you know, talking about some interesting, fun lists that we've made out of the new stuff. Yeah. Isaac, what's going on with you since you're back into the country again? Indeed. Um, just practicing the heck out of Han Rangers once again. Just getting re-familiarized with it, uh, just like Alistair for Nationals. Um, and yeah. So you, you're not gonna you're not going to switch... To, to Empire, or even maybe switch out your list um, once uh, oh, um, uh, Tyrant once Tyrant drops, then yes, for sure. But um, when is the UK Nationals? The UK Nationals. So this is the interesting debacle. Uh, so it's on the twenty fourth of yeah. <laughs> so we still don't know when we won't know until the day of the the event, as it's looking right now. Oh, if Title of Thought is going to be legal, I really think it's not going to be, and I hope it's not going to be. Because it's yeah, I think not. yeah, and it's like the odds of people actually selling it there are so slim. So it's 
basically it might be legal but no one plays it or like one person plays it or something like that. Um, I really hope it doesn't because I want to say a final farewell to Han Rangers who has brought me so, so much joy um, these these last yeah. six months. Um, yeah, that's about it. Okay, so and for myself, I I actually attended the Vienna Regionals or Austria Regionals or whatever it was. I don't know. It was just four guys. I played the the first prototype of my Vader Chank list, which I intend to run when uh, when Tyrants of Lothal hits. Uh, it was fun, but more on that in a future episode. Um, and I actually I was a bit preoccupied the last few days with World of Warcraft because I sunk into the game again with new expansion releasing and the problem is ffgs keep keep putting me out uh keep putting out content that interests me which the new uh digital card game for lord of the rings released later this month actually in 10 so like 12 days or something like that and i'm gonna be playing that too so i don't know where i'm gonna steal all the time to do that but i'll certainly try maybe not sleeping is also an option we will see um until then we'll see us again or hear us again in about two weeks hopefully with tyrants of lafal in hands with results from the uk nationals and maybe yepa can join us again next time and with that i wish you a very much warm farewell and may this force be with you bye 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 see you later.